0: This is the Christian Circle Podcast, and you're listening to Pamela Fernandez, where we have conversations about Christian living. Here's the show. Welcome to a new episode of the Christian Circle Podcast, and today we have a very special guest. Dr. Brian England is actually going to talk to us about ethics in business and integrity in business as a Christian. So uh, Dr. Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry.
1: Well, thank you, Pam. Um... God's blessed me with uh, having two careers. Uh, First, I had a career in business in which I was a product development executive, and uh, I I worked for several corporations and had uh, uh, the opportunity to introduce over 300 new products and services during my period of years. Uh, So I got a lot of emphasis on figuring out what people needed and how we could, uh, businesses that I was working for could. Uh, meet those needs with new products that were effective. And my second career then was to basically tell students how to do these kinds of things. So I became a a college professor and that's been my second career. Um, I'm a lifelong Catholic uh, and I get lots of good advice from my family members. Um, My wife is a uh, theology major. She was a theology major. and So she can give me all sorts of good advice in terms of theological type issues. My uh, oldest daughter is a religion teacher. Uh, my youngest daughter is a Carmelite nun. So again, I've got more theology there. And is a professor of philosophy. And so he kind of keeps me uh, appraised of philosophical kinds of issues. Um, my wife and I have traveled fairly extensively. Um, i taught in Washington, D.C., in Grenoble, France, also in Rome, Italy. Uh, we've traveled to 32 different countries, mostly to see Catholic uh, shrines and holy places. And, uh, and now currently I'm a professor emeritus at the Catholic University of America, and I keep busy by uh, giving some lectures, uh, doing some writing, um, uh, occasionally teaching a class. Um, and all of these things I, I'm really concerned about is how can we Uh, integrate Catholic ideas, uh, Catholic values more effectively in the way that we conduct business.
0: So I actually came across your your book, Force for Good, which was listed on one of the 50 must-read books for Catholics currently. And uh, I was quite surprised that, uh, you know, I found a book on business because usually we don't find the the Christian way of life incorporated into into work. It's it's just so separate. So when you wrote this book, um, the first thing that I would like to know is, Is it possible to really be successful and have this integrity, have these Christian values at the same time?
1: I think it's a a fair question. And I think it is one to be concerned about. Uh, After all, a lot of times when we think of uh, the path that uh, Christ uh, recommends we follow, it seems to be the antithesis of business. I mean, he was the one that threw the business, uh, the money changers out of the temple. Uh, So there's this sense that, oh, well, business has gone over the deep end, Uh, you can be a good Christian and be a good businessman at the same time. There's two sides to this thing that I'd like to develop. There's two goods in in business. You can be good at what you do. uh, That means you're really effective at it, uh, that uh, you're in demand uh, because you can market new products effectively. So you can be good at it. But then the other thing is that what you do is good for the world. In other words, it answers the need of how do you love one another in the marketplace. So there's those two goods that you try to achieve. Based upon my experience, I see that businesses can be good at two things. Uh, Good, uh, having people that are in that business that are really good at what you do and being very successful. But at the same time, Uh, making a lot of uh, success for the world at large. I I would like to give you an example of one firm that I came across that I think does a pretty good job of this. And uh, that one's called Deep River Snacks. Uh, They make potato chips and uh, snack foods. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: um, so the CEO of this, this fairly small business is very committed to this whole idea of doing good in society in addition to making snacks and doing a good job of making a product for his customers. And so what he's done is he's pledged 10% of his profits to be devoted to uh, charitable organizations. What he did is he asked each of his employees to nominate a charitable organization. So everybody who has a favorite charitable organization brought it forward, and they arranged then to give, uh, you know, their, their, the money that they earn, the business earns, uh, you know, a portion of it to these uh, charitable organizations. So what this does is it helps the employee really part of the, the business and, and they want the business to do well so that their charity will do well as well. The other thing that they did is that, of course, you design packages and there's a lot of space on a package you know, for labeling kinds of things and uh, the required information uh, that the uh, Food Drug Administration requires about products. So there was some extra space on this. So in each package, they uh, put an advertisement for one of these charities that they're giving money to. So when I buy a, a, a chips from Deep River Snacks, I'll see what particular charity they happen to be pushing on this particular package. And then I might be motivated to also donate to that uh, company as well or uh, that company that that organization that, that charity so here's an organization deep river snacks that's done a very good job of um kind of integrating this whole idea of bringing customers and employees together towards doing something really good for the world in addition to making a product that uh, you know uh, satisfies people's hunger
0: so since it's possible yes to to be successful and have integrity so as a business owner today what steps can we take, you know, to develop this integrity, especially in business?
1: I'd like to start to answer that question with um, Pope John Paul II. And at one point in time uh, during his life, St. Uh, suggested that one of the big challenges we have in the world is that Christians are living a divided life.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: what did he mean by divided life? Well, this meant that, yeah, when they went to Mass, they were model Christians. But the rest of the time, they were living life. Like anybody else in society, there was nothing there that you could point to to say that, well, this is really a Christian like a Christian. And so what we find is that many people acquiesce to society's requirements and day to day life, and they don't act, they don't behave uh, with their strongly held Christian values in every aspect of their life. So we, in effect, uh, almost live like a two-faced individual, like a Jekyll and a Hyde. And I think one of the reasons for this is that uh, in society today, we have so much uh, understanding of relativism, this idea that um, uh, one person has an idea of what's right, uh, another person has an idea of a right, they conflict with each other, but both are entitled to their opinion, both entitled to their, belief. we're not going to ask one to discuss with the other uh, to uh, try to get this reason. In effect, we all kind of withdraw into a little bit of a cocoon and we don't engage with other people who have different ideas. And what this does, as um, Pope Benedict describes, is this is the dictatorship of relativism, the dictatorship of relativism, because it dictates then that we don't discuss and we don't learn from each other. What we end up doing then in a uh, business environment is that we end up, when we see something that's not going quite right, we shut up. We engage in what ethical muteness. We don't want to step out of the, out of the norm, so to speak, uh, and point out, oh, wait a minute, we're doing something that's going wrong here. Or isn't there a better way to do this? And uh, because we don't call attention to it, it may be something on the front of everybody else's mind, but everybody else is sitting with the same idea. that, Well, the boss said this, so we're not going to say anything. And yet we end up in the business doing the wrong thing because we haven't said something. Yeah. So that's ethical mutinous. In other words, it's ethical myopia. We get lulled into this sense that, well, ethics really doesn't count in this organization. Our strongly held Christian values that we have don't count. So we're just going to withhold those things and we're kind of go along with the flow, you know, ride down the river um, with the current, so to speak. Uh, this can be um, very costly. For an organization we see lots of situations where um, the organization does something wrong and yet there were people that knew that it was wrong and if they'd raised their hand and said wait a minute there's a better way or why are we doing this uh it would have saved that organization the organization lots of uh <laughs> lots of potential money i'm thinking of volkswagen and, and the way that they had that. Um, crazy situation where they were cheating on the uh, fuel tests for uh, for the diesel fueled yeah. vehicles and um, and of course that caught them caught and they lost a heck of a lot of money and market share as a result but there were people in the organization and they raised their hand and said uh, wait a minute this is the wrong direction
2: mm-hmm. it
1: would have saved the organization a great deal of efforts and pain that this uh, later so um, I think important thing here is that uh, integrity requires that we live out these strongly held beliefs every day of our lives. Not only does the individual live out those beliefs, but the business as well. And so businesses can have integrity. Uh, This idea of doing the right thing day after day, even when it's difficult to do so. That's what we're talking about when when we say integrity. In order to get integrity, I know we get to this thing, what steps can we take to develop integrity in our business? The first thing is that the executives, the the leader, uh, the proprietor needs to identify those priorities, those values that they want to uphold in that organization, have that communicated to the employees so that the employees in that thing know, here's what we're talking about. To be this culture, in this business, to do these things, to be a good individual, to be a good company. All right, let me give you an example. There's a, uh, a bakery, uh, LaValleys bakery up in Boston. And the first thing he did when he started his bakery, he said, "I've got twelve values that I want to ensure that happen every day, And I want to post these on the, in effect on the doors to so come into the you know where the, where the production workers come into the, to the bakery. So here's the 12 values that he selected. Number one, trust and respect for one another. Uh, Number two, teamwork. Number three, empowerment to make a difference. Number four, personal growth. The idea that each individual that works there should be uh, given the opportunity to grow in their abilities and uh, persons. Number five, enthusiasm. Number six, customer service with a smile. Always have a smile your face when you're serving with a customer number seven commitment to overcoming obstacles to great work and number eight dependability number nine high quality number ten efficiency number eleven uh advanced preparation towards meetings and make product changes and that kind of thing and then number 12 safety so he said these are our dozen the LaValle dozen and course, what he did is he then put in procedures and standards to try to back up each of these overall goals for his organization. Then he put into place training for all of the employees. And by doing that, he ended up with an organization uh, that is uh, an organization of integrity, one that satisfies customers is very successful as a bakery um, and does good for its workers and customers.
0: I know you mentioned also safety, and I think um, since I'm in the healthcare field, I think that's that's important. In businesses today, especially in healthcare, you'll hear a lot of times, you know, okay, what's the problem with cutting corners, or the risk is we have to take this risk in order to provide this benefit, and you hear the risk-benefit ratio often. So why is it really important to have virtue in business uh, instead of just, Doing what all the other MBA programs are teaching us in
1: business? Uh, great question. Uh, so, I, I read a study at one point in time a couple of years back that the uh, average leader, you know, the business executive, has to make about 500 decisions each day. These decisions are big decisions and little decisions decisions about do I, uh, what do I say to this customer? How do I price this product? You know, do I have another cup of coffee now or do I wait later? You know, there are when you think about it, 500 questions in a day, um, boy, I'll tell you, just about every minute you're making another, uh, there's another decision to make. And what we do to be efficient at this, um, and we realize that we can't be 100% right every time, that's pretty unusual. Uh, we, we talk about it in sports, uh, You know, a, a major league baseball batter uh, is really good if he can hit you Know 30% of the time, I uh, get a hit 30% of the time that they're up at bat, uh, let alone 100%. Uh, but how do we improve that? Well, one way to do that is to develop good habits, in other words, virtues. And when we do this, we make ourselves much more efficient, in uh, be, you know, because we have in our mind, here's how I handle this situation, here's what I do. Um, you know, I, I limit myself to one cup of coffee so I don't get too frittered, you know, in my you know, you, you, you end up with a, a virtue of moderation, I guess, is the way you do it. And in practice, making. So when you act virtually, I think more than anything else, you build trust in the people that you deal with. You build trust with your employees. You build trust with customers. And trusting relationships in business are what business, what makes business successful. You don't buy from somebody that you don't trust. You know, I mean, as a customer, you don't buy from somebody that you don't trust. So the person that you trust, the individual that comes across as trusting because they seem to exhibit virtues and that my past dealings with them have always come out right, that I'm going to want to, you know, want to continue to do business with that particular individual or that particular company. Now, when you build trust, you also build brand loyalty. I'm talking about you. I'm saying the company mm-hmm. or the organization builds brand loyalty. There's lots of benefits to brand loyalty. One of the big benefits is it cuts down on customer acquisition costs mm-hmm. and customer replacement costs. Mm-hmm. Businesses are all about this because if great deal of turnover in their customer base all the time, then they've got to constantly be advertising, promotion, promoting, and trying to bring in new customers. Mm -hmm. This is an expensive uh, process. It's much better to build on the customers that you already have, keep them really satisfied, keep them loyal, and keep them coming back. You do that with trust. And of course, virtue is how you can build trust. I, you know, I'm, A good example of this is a company called um, Children First. It's a daycare center. And what they did is they said, we want to be really good, but in order to be really good, we need to know what our customers really want us to be. Mm -hmm. So they asked a lot of potential customers, what do you look for in our center? And what they did is they came up with five virtues. Those virtues were They like to see a daycare center that exhibits patience, optimism, commitment, and perseverance. So that if you do this for your own business, you'll probably find it's a different combination of virtues. Mm-hmm. Um, but it worked. This this five set was the ones that they thought, by golly, this is going to work for us. Mm-hmm. Then what they did is they put together training sessions for all their employees, so that the employees knew what the virtue of, you know, patience is all about, mm-hmm. and how you develop this virtue, and how you show this virtue to customers and you know in your day-to-day operations. And so there was a series of training and development activities, and um, you know, best success stories from each employee of how they were working on tolerance. And here's how I was managed to really get that tolerance out and really going for me. And what this did is it built the whole organization up. And then they did a customer survey afterwards, and they said, What are the what are the qualities? What are the virtues you see represented in our organization? And by golly, the research showed that those same five virtues were the things that customers were seeing. So they were successful
2: Mm -hmm.
1: in building virtue into their company. Mm -hmm. And obviously, uh, that's a workable solution.
2: So you
0: would say that these same five virtues would apply to any business or anyone running a business, right?
1: I think uh, there's going to be different virtues in general. Yeah. Yeah. Or different organizations. You know, if you're running a, uh, if you're a, a medical uh, office, uh, you're you a physician. The virtues that you supply or provide or or show off, so to speak, to develop, uh, will probably be different for somebody than than somebody that runs a restaurant or um, you know provides a law practice, for instance. Um, although there's probably more similarity between a medical practitioner and a law professional than there is between that somebody who is uh, maybe repairing automobiles or uh, you know whatever the business is.
0: So it's up to the, yeah. the proprietor the individual to discern and pray what those what, what the basic virtues should be to run their business and then teach it to their staff and, and, and across all their their vendors or whoever they're doing business with
1: that's correct although I would argue that there are probably some basic virtues that okay. are really important. You know, if you if you start listing virtues, you can come up with uh, over 100. I think Um, one of my friends friends, uh, developed a list of over 100 virtues. Uh, I mean, the ancient Greeks, you know, they had uh, the cardinal virtues, the virtues of, um, you know, prudence, justice, um, moderation and courage. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, St. Thomas uh, Aquinas, um, he developed or he asked for the theological virtues, faith, hope and charity or love. And then then there's basic Christian virtues like honesty, uh, magnanimity, that's a good management virtue, humility, uh, effectiveness. So I, all of those are really important virtues. But if you were going to put me out on a limb and require me to name three that maybe you want to start with, I would say um, the first one from the theological virtues, that charity, that love, loving like Christ loved us, number one. Number two, I'd pick from um, the uh, cardinal virtues, justice and prudence. So I would say love, justice, and prudence. Why love? You know, love is a is a is a goofy term. It has so many different meanings. Um, But the way Christ meant it when he said, uh, "You know, I give you love one another as I love you," he was doing that with the uh, passion in mind. In other words, he was laying down his life for his his friends. And he was asking each one of us to do the same thing. It's a sacrificial love. We sacrifice our, what we have, uh, our, our treasures, our time, our talents, we sacrifice those to help somebody else. This is what love is all about you need to love your customers. If you're going to run a business, if you hate your customers, you won't be successful, no matter what you do in terms of technology, uh, you know, quality of equipment and everything else you get that love has to come through because individuals um, just aren't going to deal with somebody that hates them. I mean, you know, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, In order to love one another, um, the church has put together this idea of Catholic social teaching. So they define four different requirements to love. One is human dignity, this whole idea that everyone is important. People are much more important than things. The second is solidarity. The idea that to love one another is we need to look out for people when they need help and lend them a helping hand. Mm -hmm. The third is subsidiarity, this idea that each individual is so important. They have a free will and they have the ability to decide for themselves. And we should not voice our understanding and force them to make a particular decision in our favor or, or, or what we think should happen. They have the um, freedom and they should have that um, personal responsibility to um, you know, make their own decisions on what they want and what they need. Um, Okay, and then the fourth one is common good, and the common good is this whole idea that we need to be thinking about helping society uplift, uh, get uplifted and grow and flourish. So those are the four characteristics that really define this idea of Christian love. Um, our business needs to have those things going in their direction if they're going to be affected. Second, of course, is uh, justice, and of course, as we know, without uh, justice, there can be no peace. Um, you know, I've always thought that um, if we don't have peace in our uh, workforce, we're going to have an awfully difficult time to (laughs) get anything done, Um, you know, and so um, justice is really important in these things, looking out for justice, the just thing to do, the fair thing to do, the right thing to do. And then third, prudence, this whole idea, if you're going to be a baker, you better know the baking business and what it takes to make a good product. You know, and that's that prudence is this practical wisdom.
2: Mm.
1: How to do deal um, deal with people effectively? what what motivates people? How does all of this work work in order to make a business that functions effectively uh, so that it comes back tomorrow and there's still customers and there's still uh, work to be done, so it can continue on. Love, justice, prudence are three uh, three requirements. If you like another example, I think this is a beautiful example. And it's a common example. It's a company called um, Rose's Fresh Pizza, and it was a young man, uh, age 25, Mason Wortman, who started this business, not only wanted to do was sell individual slices of pizza, and he built this thing, uh, built, started a, a restaurant in a fairly rough section of Philadelphia. And unfortunately, he opens his doors and what's he see? Some homeless people, some people who are down and out, uh, people who are hungry, and they're coming asking for a free handout. In fact, it's kind of clogging up the restaurant, all of these people asking for free. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't have room for paying customers to come in. What the heck does he do? I think the common uh, response is this: is Oh, well, we can't have this riffraff in here. We'll call the police, get them to escort all these people out because it's disrupting the, the business operation. But that's not what he did. What he did is he came up with the idea of asking his paying customers to pay a little bit more and buy a piece of pizza or you know a slice of pizza for someone else in the uh, who who needed one, who was hungry but who could not. Afford. And the way he did this. Basically, it was kind of a buy forward, a buy a piece forward or a slice forward uh, thing. And uh, he just started out with Post-it notes and uh, the individual who paid the extra money to buy uh, the slice for someone who couldn't afford it could write out a little promotional message, you know, like, God bless you, um, here's a free slice on a Post-it note. And then they started hanging these Post-it notes all over the walls of the restaurant. Well, after a few weeks, Every nook and cranny of the walls of the restaurant are full of post it notes. And when people come in um, who can't afford it, they can run up, and grab a note, mm-hmm. and, uh, and get a uh, free slice of pizza. This became kind of a promotional thing for him, it became uh, the post it note pizza place. Uh, and I think he's now got two more locations, all built upon this same philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it was based upon this idea of, all right, how do we love these people who aren't even customers?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: how do we, how do we uh, provide justice for people? you know How do you make this all work? You know the prudence kind of a thing? And you know what really made this work, he realized, is that a lot of people don't have the opportunity to exercise um, charity, Christian charity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And here was an opportunity that, gee, You know, rather than uh, send some money to some place and somewhere else, I can help somebody locally that's having a hard time right now by buying them a slice of pizza, you know. And uh, that's what made that that idea work. A lot of businesses can, uh, when they think about virtue, can think about ways like that, Mm -hmm. that they can really add something special about their business. Mm -hmm. And it's business that will help them grow and be successful. I would recommend that highly, and
0: and it's a good thing that you pointed out that example because I'm sure when he was making those decisions, they would have been very hard decisions to make, right? Very difficult decisions, especially when during the initial period when when he had all these people coming in.
1: That's for sure. <laughs> what right? What do you do? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I need to sell here. I, I, it doesn't help to have people that can't afford to buy my my slums. You know, are right.
0: So. When you have these hard decisions, uh, I know a lot of people will say, you know, you can turn to God and pray. And, and yes, he does provide answers. And usually he does provide them to people. But where do you turn or whom do you turn to when you don't know what to do and when you have these hard decisions to make?
1: I think a lot of times the uh, proprietor of the business uh, is often this person in the room. Uh, I mean, it just kind of happens. You know you're in a room uh, full of employees, you happen to be, and of course, this idea of being the smartest person in the room isn't not uh, isn't very good idea sometimes, uh, because we get kind of full of ourselves, and uh, consequently, we don't listen. So the important thing is to be able to read people and listen, because not every time do we have all the answers ourselves. It's important to hear what people have to say about what we're planning to do and what we're doing. My wife helps me a great deal on these kinds of things. Sometimes I'll write something and then I'll think, uh, is this what I wanna say? I'll grab uh, my wife, Barbara, and she'll look at it and say, no, you missed the point. They're gonna think of it this way and then, yeah, okay, Uh, you're right. And so I think it's important then to seek out uh, assistance and help from others. The most important one uh, is uh, from God. You know, and I always start everything with prayer. And I think that's the right way to uh, to begin. And um, I, I think if you align yourself with God's um, commandments, he's not going to lead you wrong in the wrong direction. He's not going to take you down the wrong path. So that's an important thing. Um, and I think you have to listen to your conscience because mm-hmm. if what you intend to do just really looks good on paper and it's going to make a lot of money and maybe the ethical thing we won't worry about, well, Maybe you should re look at that ethical thing. So, other people to talk to, I suppose, would be uh, significant others, friends, uh, colleagues. Uh, talk to the people that work for you and get get their uh, honest opinion. Ask for their honest opinion on things. You might go and see your priest. Um, you know, the pastor. And I, uh, I mean, there are consultants. Uh... <laughs> that will will provide some additional information for you and help uh, help you decide the correct direction and but i'm not sure that you have to go all the way to the consultant most most people can find people they trust that's going to uh, give them the right uh, you know the right idea to get things moving in the right direction
0: so i know that different organizations have like i know for us as doctors we have the catholic medical association different organizations have uh, different Catholic associations, would that be a good idea uh, for, for advice or for help?
1: Certainly, I the, the ones that I'm familiar with, the American Marketing Association um, has an ethics group at that at one point in time in my career. Um, and what, what we did there is we published uh, specific guidelines in terms of marketing products, what was ethical and what was not ethical. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Marketing Research Association has very sp- specific guidelines for how uh, to conduct marketing research especially the rights of individuals who um, who participate in that research so those are specific guidelines and i would certainly recommend that folks consult those guidelines you can download them from the web uh you know search them out and uh, uh but if you need more help i think in the uh the American Marketing Association uh, situation. The only time we had, we didn't have people coming and asking us for advice. What we had were, was situations where people were complaining that somebody wasn't ethical and uh, we'd have to kind of step in and decide that.
2: You know.
0: okay. Where can people find your book, Force for so Good? And I should just remind people again, that it's one of the 50 must read Catholic books right now. Uh, so where can people find you and your book in case they need advice or they, they, they need help?
1: For some reason and they want to reach out to you? Sure. So I, my book is called Force for Good, The Catholic Guide to Business Integrity. It was published by Sophia Institute Press. Mm-hmm. They're up in New Hampshire, uh, Nashua, New Hampshire. So you can certainly go to Sophia. And I think they've got a sale on this book at this time. So it's really priced right. Uh, the other thing is uh, you can certainly go to amazon.com um, if you want to do that. Um, they sell that book as well. I think the other thing that I'd like to uh, comment on um, you know, in closing is that, um, in addition to my book, in terms of guidance on this kind of thing, um, the work of the Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America is very first, it's first class. And of course, I've been involved with that for a number of years. So we teach uh, all of these things much more effective about it today. Uh, so if you know someone that wants to study business, um, the Bush School of Business at Catholic University is a really good place to study. And thank you, Pam. It's been been a good uh, good 30 minutes. Thank
0: you. <laughs> well, thank you for being on our podcast and talking to us about this, this subject. And there are a few people who are talking about it right now. So it was great having you. And are you on social media that people can reach out to you?
1: Oh, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm very happy to let others like you do that kind of thing
0: okay all right so thank you for for being with us in this podcast and talking to us
1: very good thank you very much uh, god bless you uh, god bless all your ministry i mean i'm just amazed at all that you're you, all you're involved with <laughs> <laughs> based upon what i see on the website <laughs>
0: thank you so i much. don't know
1: how you keep up with all of that and write as well a lot <laughs> of times when you're writing you have some clear time that's not you know yeah 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 god bless you